Hello and welcome to this CM Life Science mini-series, Lessons from Leaders in Life Science. I'm today's host, Jack McLean, and my focus here at CM Life Science is the bioinformatics space, with a specialist interest in connecting with leaders in the space to gain valuable insights from their climb to the top. In today's episode, I speak with Jen Skeen, the Chief Operating Officer at Renegade Bio, about how to find your niche and build a career based on what you like. Whether you're interested in learning valuable insight from a leader in life sciences, great tips for networking in the space, or you want to hear an inspiring story, then be sure to have a listen. Here it is, and I hope that you enjoy. Pleasure to, to kind of speak with you, Jen. I'm appreciative of you, of you being here. Just give me a little bit of an introduction and, and those listening to, you know, a bit about your role, um, your areas of expertise. Thanks, Jack. Nice to see you again as well. Thank you for the the time today. This is going to be a great conversation we have. Um, A little bit about myself is um, just my education and training. I have a PhD in molecular genetics and biochemistry. Um, But really, before I started that, I spent two years working in a clinical laboratory and sort of found my calling in clinical laboratory medicine, which was this beautiful combination of science, technology, medicine, and impact on humanity and human health, which I really found love for. So I spent the majority of my career um, in clinical laboratories, in uh, device manufacturing, uh, diagnostic companies, and life sciences. So that's about, I spent about 10 years in bench lab work where I was an individual contributor, including PhD work where I published. Um, and then about 20 years in leadership. So I've learned a lot over that period of time. So hopefully I can give a couple of tips and tricks on what I've seen happen to the industry in the past 30 years. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks for the introduction. Um, I guess in terms of how we would usually um, kick this off is, you know, a bit about sort of how you got into the space you're in, you know, tips for somebody trying to uh, move into that space. Obviously, as you mentioned, you started in I guess a bench type scientist positioning then you've spanned commercial and operations so out of them which would you say is kind of the area you're most excited about you know the one that you enjoyed the most yeah I would say that the couple of things that I I like the most are one of them since I am in a position where I have uh, teams as well as young uh, teams reporting to me I really enjoy the leadership and mentorship aspect Um, where I can help them figure out the best path for them to reach that further goal or lead to future success for them and their families um, and really figure out what makes them tick and where what is the secret sauce that they hold? What is their special skill, their superpower? I always try to ask my team members, what is their superpower and figuring that piece out because then you can really leverage that in um, their career progression. Mm -hmm. The other piece that I really enjoy, and I, you know, obviously you can't start off and say, I want to be a manager make make it happen. Mm. Um, so one of the things I, I really enjoy, and to this day, I still enjoy is building and launching new products and services. Um, right. So I'm a builder at heart. I'm not necessarily an entrepreneur. I don't have, you know, that create that creativity. But I have the creativity where it comes to making a vision happen and putting it into production and right. actually seeing that the fruits of those labors. Yeah. Um, so bringing new products, services, technology, innovation to life and to the market is something that really brings me joy. Brilliant. So I guess, would you say then that um, your calling is more kind of the management side and, and I guess the function that you're in is, is sort of irrespective, you know, you obviously enjoy them all, but the strategic leadership is, is your sort of key area of, of expertise, really? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, I, that's not how my career started. I started off as a bench level scientist and as an operator. So I got the technical skills initially. So, you know, you learn a lot, you use your hands a lot, you're absorbing new information, you know, you're a researcher and then you use you know, a, a PhD is about, isn't about a specific subject matter that you're becoming an expert in because it's a very narrow window. It's more about learning how to think like a scientist. Um, and then that's a skill you use forever. So migrating or evolving from technical capabilities into a leadership role is um, really how I've, I've seen my, my personal career progress. And I think that's something that I, a lot of folks do want to, to move into. They say, I want management, I want promotions. Um, I think it's really beneficial to start off with that hands-on mm. in the weeds experience. And then you can always keep that with you as you get into a more leadership role, because you'll, you'll remember some of those, those aspects and attributes that are important for building products and services but then you can oversee them. So that helps with career progression starting out on the technical side. Yeah. And sort of moving into a, um, a management or a more strategic type position, do you find that you miss the more hands-on um, technical side of things now? Or That's a great question. I think that's one of the big, biggest challenges for technical teams when they move into leadership is that you are no longer going to be the technical expert. You're no longer going to be the hands-on. So you have to be comfortable with it or you have to figure out a strategy so that you can get that technical yeah. expertise, but then be able to take the step back and allow and empower your teams to do that for you. So I think that is a bit of a mind shift that ha you have to actively work that mm. muscle of not being the hands-on technical expert, um, but still knowing what's going on, but having to look more at a higher level of strategy and how to use your resources most effectively. Yeah. And I think with your movement through um, the various functions, is that something that was um, stemmed by yourself, Jen? Did you say, you know, I want to move through um, these functions or did the company say, you know, we think that your skill set would, would serve well here? Yeah, I think um, I've always been an ambitious person. I haven't been the smartest kid in the class. I was an honor student. I, but going forward with a PhD, I thought was a lofty goal. So I was like, well, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And I, I found a program that was really exciting to me. Um, and I've done that with just about everything in my life in general is, all right, what's that next thing I can strive for? Always trying to push the envelope, whether it's the technology or my own personal capabilities. Um, I, you know, out of my PhD, I knew that I didn't want to do a postdoc because I was sick of banging my head against the wall trying to, you know, make a Western blot work three times over. So I wanted something that was going to work that had, I could see the fruits of my labor yeah. and see productivity. Um, and part of it is I will say that I had some great mentors um, or leader uh, archetypes early in my career, right out of my undergrad, I were, I, you know, walked into a laboratory where there was just this amazing female leader. She was the exact leader I wanted to be. Um, so I already had that picture in my head of the impact she could make, yeah. her brilliance, you know, technically and scientifically, but also how she motivated the team and worked with the team. I think I just found that inspiration and always wanted to be like her. So um, Crystal Lise Martin, if you're out there, um, you've been a huge impact on me and I will always say so. Um, she's been a wonderful leader. She was my, um, the vision of what I wanted to become. Oh, fantastic. I think the mention of a mentor um, is probably an interesting talking point. How important do you think that is for somebody who's looking to reach your kind of level of, of seniority and, 
in the life sciences space? Absolutely. I would say that that is probably um, one of the most important things is to find people that you respect that are open to sharing their wisdom and talk to you. Um, and it's actually easier than it sounds. You don't have to go hire a mentor or find some sort mm. of headhunting function. You know, I, if I'm on LinkedIn and somebody who reaches out to me and says, Hey, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts about what I can do or how I, how you can help me grow. Um, I am very responsive to that, you know, as opposed to the people mm. that are trying to sell me something, you know, I'm more than happy to jump on a call with them, go have a coffee and just help them figure out what their superpower is. Um, so yeah, that yeah. would be my advice to folks on the call, um, whether they're early in their career or they're looking to make a change, find somebody who's in a position that you would really love to be in and go pick their brain because you may think a certain path will bring you there. Right. Um, but there are many paths to get to where you would want to go. And they might recommend an alternate one that has a couple of curves that you weren't expecting, you know, the type of degree, the type of experience, the type of training. Um, they might give you some really good insight and wisdom based on your specific background and interest. Um, so that would be my recommendation is, and even if it's somebody you've never met before, you just, mm. you know, you, you stumble across their name and experience, reach out to them. Absolutely. I think it's a great skill to be able to do number one, to cold call on somebody. But also they, they nine times out of 10, I would say they're going to be receptive to, you know, a quick conversation, a couple of emails, uh, what you might need. Yeah, no, that's certainly something that I found as well, kind of working with, with people like yourself at your seniority is that, you know, you assume and you guys are obviously extremely busy, but people will always kind of make time to shed some light on, on how to improve and things like that. Yeah. I think it's our job, absolutely, in leadership to help grow the new mm. generation. Um, I think it, it's absolutely one of our responsibilities is to help people um, that are trying to achieve that same level of success or are looking to break into an industry. I think it's an obligation that we have, you know, as leaders to help. So if somebody isn't reaching, isn't responding to you, you probably didn't want their information or thoughts anyway. So find somebody <laughs> who's receptive and it, it may be really beneficial. It won't cost you anything either other than an email. Yeah, of course. And is that something that you take a lot of enjoyment from now then mentoring people? Absolutely. Absolutely. So every company I've been a part of, I try to see if they have either an internship or a mentorship program. And I always raise my hand whenever there is a, a structured program. Um, I also sometimes will take it upon myself if there's somebody in a different group um, that, you know, expresses interest or seems to have that little something special about them actively put, you know, once a month, we have a one-on-one -on -one just to talk about them and their career. Um, it's more about them as opposed to just the work they're doing in the project. So really talk about what, what is this training you want to go through? Are you thinking about an MBA? Um, what kind of companies are you looking at and, and job types mm -hmm. that you're looking at mm -hmm. um, and really talk to them as a person, as opposed to an employee. I think it's important, especially if they're not in your chain of command, reach out to a leader in a different group. Um, you might get some really interesting insight. Brilliant. Um, I guess one area that I wanted to um, touch on with you, Jen, was obviously, and we've mentioned it briefly, but you've kind of spanned across various different areas. What would you say if we're comparing kind of and commercial and then you know operations and obviously the technical um, bench side 
what are some areas of each that you really enjoy? Maybe some areas of each that um, you you least enjoy? <laughs> I, I've had this question before when I'm interviewing for <laughs> roles is what, what do you least like to do? And I don't like writing documents. So I love quality and reviewing them, but I just don't like creating them. And some people are really good at creating mm. documents and procedures. And um, so I think that's one of the challenges that where whatever level you're at is identifying your own strengths and weaknesses, actually look internal and being honest about it. What do you like doing? What are you not good at? So maybe a couple examples for that are things that I personally struggle with um, that I've had to identify. And it's only been, you know, within maybe the past five, 10 years that I've realized is that um, my nature is to be, you know, this positive cheerleader, always trying to create a positive environment, build people up, help them grow, give them the rah-rah speech. Um, but you need to balance that with the coach aspect and, okay, this is something you need to do better. This is how we would approach this a little bit differently. We didn't meet that timeline. Here's how we need to push. I think having that balance. So that's one thing about me personally. And maybe one other example is I'm not terribly skilled at making pretty PowerPoint presentations. I used to get really nervous about speaking. So forcing yourself to learn the tips and tricks. Um, to do it more so that you get better at it and to really analyze yourself. I think these are really important for everybody. Nobody's perfect. We all have weaknesses and sometimes those weaknesses change over time. So continually to self-evaluate and that could mean you change a career, you change a role, um, you change a company. Um, So just being self-aware, I think is really, really important and can be challenging for a lot of folks. Brilliant. And I guess for individuals that are trying to... um break into the space or would sort of like to eventually reach your level of seniority what would you say are some tips to help them um i guess identify which area is is best for them you know what would you say are some tips to help people figure that out absolutely um so you know as as we mentioned there are many routes to get into a life sciences or biotech company you could yeah. be an english major and want to get into the communication side you could yeah. be a psychology major and want to get onto the HR side of things. Mm. Um, you could, you know, have that business experience and want to work more on the sales or marketing or, you know, partnerships and strategic um, side of things. Sometimes you got to do it to know whether or not you like a certain aspect of a role or you don't. Mm. Um, I think it's really valuable to have, you know, and maybe based on my background, you can see that is a varied level of experiences. So I've, I've worn a lot of hats so I can pull from those experiences whenever it's necessary, whether it's on the technical side, it's on the regulatory side, it's on the operational side or the sales side. And how do you close business? Right. Mm. So I think pigeonholing yourself into one key or one particular area for some people, they know that they are a hunter sales individual that will always be what they want to do. No problem with that. I think for a lot of us though, we want to branch and learn and and experience more. So wearing those couple of hats and trying a new role, um, it may be stressful, but you learn a lot and you can apply those. So back to your original question is how do you identify that? A lot of it has to do with experiences in what did you like doing? What did you not doing? Actually physically writing down, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses and what do I enjoy doing? Um, And also, as I mentioned earlier, is talking to people in a role that that you think would be interesting because it might look shiny and beautiful from the outside and they might absolutely hate it. (laughs) And they'll give you some insight into what are those positives and negatives. So I think 
experiencing them for yourself personally, but also reaching out to people and just having that conversation at a trade show, um, you know, going to a talk and approaching somebody saying, Hey, I, I love what you do. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah. Uh, I think those are really beneficial ways in those, those key conversations to understand where you might have that special sauce that your superpower will be revealed. And do you think you'd encourage people to maybe try on um, various different hats like you have, or if somebody kind of dedicates themselves to, to one field, would you encourage that? It's a good question because there's pluses and minuses to it. Um, so I'll, I'll start with the minuses. People don't know what to do with you. If mm. you have so many pieces of background, they might focus on one element and say, oh no, we're looking for somebody who understands and is a business development person, but you're a technical person because I see this role. Um, so I think that those are some of the negatives and for some roles, they want deep experience, you know, 10 plus industry years in this particular function. So I think those are the minuses to it. I think the pluses to it are your ability to always be learning and growing your ability to, to try on things and figure out what makes the most sense for you. And I think it gives you the opportunity to, uh, you know, apply and grow in and go into that next role that can leverage something you did, you know, five, 10 years ago, because you were that technical expert, but now you're a leader. It's a highly technical area or product you're supporting. Yeah. So um, I personally, and this is not necessarily for everybody. I like having a, a varied background where you can say, oh, you know, they, they brought this product through the FDA. Oh, they developed that product. Oh, they sold as an inside sales individual, that product. Yeah. It shows them as a more well-rounded individual um, that can succeed in different environments. So it shows their flexibility and adaptability. And I suppose from individuals trying to move up to um, your seniority um, and, and trying to kind of reach that level of the success in the, the life sciences space. Yeah. What would you say are some tips from kind of a, a management standpoint? You know, do people have to manage to reach that seniority? Could people get there quicker if they manage? What do you think there? That's a good question. And I have, maybe it's a controversial response, but um, I am a huge fan of education. And yeah. here in the US market, it's incredibly expensive and everybody, there's a lot of backlash against the current um, education systems. Yeah. Um, I personally think education is important in so many ways, even beyond just career trajectory and just learning as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so my personal opinion on this is get the highest possible degree and certification you can, okay. if you know the field you want to get into. And what I mean by that is, you know, you get a bachelor's degree in a, a general biology, psychology, you know, business. Um, if you're going to get a master's, there's only a few that I would honestly recommend. Um, right. And those would be very specific ones. You know, there's nursing degrees mm -hmm. where it's almost a terminal degree as your master's and MBA. Um, if you're thinking in the technical realm, uh, it was it was tough. But going forward with a PhD and additional certifications will open up every possible door for you. You know, certifications are great. Training is great. Um, you know working your uh, network is really important. Mm. Um, so back to your original question of how do you get to this level? Um, there isn't one way. I mentor people usually because they come to me, they are actively seeking it out. That is what will bring you to that next level is to continue to work at it. It's not going to be handed to you, figure it out, find a way. What would you say are some of the, the key challenges at your, I guess, seniority more than kind of the technical area that you're in? 
Yeah. Um, do you find maybe management challenges? You know, how do you overcome them? What do you think there? Yeah, I think we talked, we touched on one of them before is about no longer being the technical expert and being yeah. able to put that aside and rely on others and how to execute through your team, through empowering your team. Um, and the big aspects of knowing your own strengths and weaknesses um, in and being able to address those and correct for them. I think those are some of the biggest challenges in you know, executive level leadership is um, the ones that you create yourself. Um, other ones are, you know, it's tough with funding and goals and, you know, silos that occur within communications in a company. Um, yeah. I think it's up to the executive team to identify and address those issues. And it's really hard for middle management when it doesn't feel like your executive team is meeting expectations. So I think those are some of the yeah. biggest challenges is knowing you could do better, but not having the authority or power to do it. I think that is, yeah. is that's a tough one to get over. Yeah, brilliant. And I, I guess in terms of someone who's looking or has maybe, you know, had a setback or things like that quite early in their career, you know, I suppose you have as well, and it seems like everyone has, but what would you say is, you know, is how important is it to overcome that? Do you look back on setbacks earlier in your, in your career that have led you to where you are today that, you know, you maybe wouldn't have got there without that? Oh, yeah. I mean, our <laughs> our failures, if you want to call them that, are some yeah, of the best yeah. teachers we have, and um, yeah. they're also very humbling. So yeah. um, if you want specific experiences with me um, in my PhD program, we had a preliminary exam where mm. after the first two years, you sit in front of a, a panel of your advisors and they grill you verbally for two hours. I think it was two hours. Um, yeah. And uh, half the class failed it. I was one of the failed individuals that first time. Yeah. Yeah. I was ready to throw a, you know, a chair out the window. But I didn't, or else I wouldn't be here probably. Um, yeah. And it's, it does help with, you know, bringing it back down to reality that you're not a perfect person and um, that kind of stuff happens and not blaming everybody else, but looking inward and say, how do I do this better? How do I make this happen? Yeah. Um, so that grit comes out of those failures. I've also had multiple layoffs with companies. I mean, you know, mm. two, three, four yeah. different layoffs. And that also forces you to not take it personally, to do it in a professional way without burning bridges yeah. when somebody's kicking you out the door. <laughs> and then also, how do you turn that into an advantage? Um, mm. You had experiences, you probably have, you know, a little bit of time to figure out something new. Um, maybe you'll be able to negotiate a higher pay raise with a new role. Um, so always try to find the positive in a situation and learn and grow from it. You will yeah. absolutely look back 10 years and say, that was a great learning experience. It feels awful in the moment. And, you know, all of yeah, your imposter of syndrome comes out, especially a woman in science and leadership. Mm -hmm. We get that a lot. Um, yeah. So you have to really reinforce your confidence in yourself and your ambition to make success out of it. So it really, yeah. so a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here with you is internal stuff and yeah, how you yeah. feel about yourself. How do you make the best of a bad situation? How do you continue to grow? I think those yeah. are some of the most important factors of reaching executive level leadership in any type of function is being yeah. very true to yourself and knowing what you can and can't do. And if you can't do it, uh, you figure out a way to make it happen and then continue to be ambitious. If you want to continue growing and, and excelling and promoting within companies or changing companies to a, 
a new function that is exciting, only you can control it. Look, I mean, I've taken a, a huge amount of value from this, Jen, and I'm sure um, those listening will do as well. So um, yeah, look, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us some pointers about kind of your success in the space and, and how to get there. It's, it's been great. Well, uh, good luck to everybody and what their, their ambitions are. And thanks for your time, Jack. It's been great. Brilliant. So that was my chat with Jen Skeen, Chief Operating Officer at Renegade Bio. I'd like to thank Jen again for her time and the insight that she provided on her career history and her role. I hope everyone who's interested in any of the points we discussed during the podcast could gain some valuable perspectives from her story. Check out the rest of this mini-series for plenty more insights from industry leaders in life sciences. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Jack McLean. Bye for now.